Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. is some of our thoughts. Hey everyone, it's Sarah and Carter and this is some of our thoughts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode something. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we don't remember which one it is. Like 11? Sure. Maybe 12? Possibly wow. a little. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's been a really fun ride. I'm so thrilled to be here. Such a fun ride. And today is especially especial because we are in Rogue Media Network's new space, Ecstatic. Holla. Holla. There's so much room for activities. <laughs> I can like clear my space is what I call it when you put your arms straight up and then just put them down by your side. Very spacious can't wait to drink in here <laughs> oh yeah i'm working on it i'm opening up our first bottle now so today we will be talking about riesling riesling holla holla and we actually have three different bottles today to share with you all they're all very different but lovely and uh very similar bottles just in terms of like the actual glass bottle uh those very long thin baseball bat style which is a huge characteristic of Rieslings. Yes. Um, the first two, I guess, that we're going to do, because it's the first one I opened, was uh, Pierre Arnold from Alsace in France. That France? One, yeah, France, the French Alps. That um, is a really incredible history-wise, just in terms of like how many times it's changed hands between France and Germany throughout human history. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, information just on the bottle itself. There, the producer's name is Pierre Arnold, and that's what it's just called. And, and there's two from Pierre Arnold. That's right. H him and his wife, Suzanne, have specialized in Rieslings. Um, and uh, they've been certified organic since 2009, which is when Sarah and I graduated from high school. How special is that? <laughs> which makes They did it for us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and these, um, they're not technically uh, vintage with like a specific year, um, because the grapes are sourced from all over and they have different levels of maceration that they add at different points. So cool. it's kind of a blend of years and time and space. Very cool. Right? So this first one that I poured into our glasses, you're going to have to say this. Dia, Dia Mama. Here. Dia Mama. Dia Dia Ma Liquid, which means liquid diamonds. Oh, hell yeah. Right? It's beautiful. And um, I haven't had a sip of it yet. But uh, while Sarah sips it and gets her little... Um, little nosy. Her nose in there. I can tell you that it's... a. Uh, it say it said on the website, it's an experimental barrel of Riesling Sirlai, which is on the lease. Mm. They let the grape skins macerate. And there's a little bit of skin contact. It's a, kind of a 
pretty honey color. I mean, I would say. It's delicious. Yeah, it's really great. The the Vinature is my favorite of the two. Um, They're pretty similar in terms of winemaking, but uh, they're over a year and a half on the lease, which is an extraordinary amount of time. Yeah. Oh, we should also mention, I feel like Riesling, a lot of Rieslings are there's this connotation where Rieslings are sweet, right? That's very, yeah, misconception. Nazis, misconception. Yeah. I love a great dry Riesling, which all three of these are. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out before we went any further. Because, you know, people are like, oh, Riesling, not for me. Next. It's too sweet, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, the ones from the grocery store typically will be, uh, I mean, I'm just going to say it. It's going to make me sound like a snob, but I'm going to say <laughs> it. I mean, it's they're saturated with residual sugars. Yes, they're syrupy, even like I mean, just viscous, like thick. I yep. mean, they they have this really a natural quality about them that yeah. I have never appreciated. And then once I found these guys, I mean, it's like, oh, Riesling, who, what, right, where, when, why? Like, I mean, never. And for us too, I feel like because you know we have to deal with people yeah with customers they'll come into both of our places of work and be like oh well do you have anything like a riesling i love riesling or moscato yeah and i'm like okay you're saying riesling i think we're thinking of two different versions though and then they're like you don't know about Riesling." like oh no i do that's why i'm asking you you? i'm like (laughs) sweet or dry (laughs) that's right because i mean i would say like this has a lot of very sweet notes to it yeah it's this is an impeccably fruit forward oh my gosh this is like peach nectar but not in like a thick viscous way like a very light happy springy summertime peach yeah my uh, my notes the first time i ever tasted this i wrote down a white peach white flowers mm-hmm. and preserved lemon that's like not Yum. bright lemon juice but like if you think about like a dehydrated lemon like in moroccan recipes they yeah. have like the big jars of like the lemon and the what's it in what is it in it's not vinegar is it no. i'm not sure i don't know but yeah, it kind of tastes like that. Yeah. It's like the lemon flavor without the bitterness, too, and the sour uh, quality of it. So this particular one, they're direct press into white burgundy barrels, which oh, makes wow. a big difference in taste, I think. Um, there is, uh, gosh, 20 months in the barrel, a year and a half on the skins. I mean, that's just that's an insane amount of time that we're getting, like, pouring it out of the bottle from the time it's picked off the vine to the time you pour it out of the bottle several years. That's a lot of work and commitment That's right. um, for and a patience. white wine. For a white wine? That's, That's right. crazy. Because a lot of times from the moment you pick the grapes, six months later you could be drinking it, mm-hmm. right? Depending on what you're making and what your style of winemaking is. That's, That's wild. Common. It's yeah. much more common. Because, I mean, this is it's a lot of time and energy and thought. I mean, yeah. it's very thoughtful. There's um, so, okay, when we were talking about Sirlai, this is maybe mm. a term that we might have mentioned before, but I don't think I've ever gone into detail about it. It's when winemakers keep some of the solids in contact with the wine as a way to extract the flavor, and it adds like aroma and texture too. So in natural wine, these are pretty um, clarified. They, they Yeah, they are. They're not going to be gunky. Like some of my wines at the wine shop are pretty <laughs> gunky. Boogers. Sludgy. Like it's not boogers. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, wine sludge. And yeah. some people call them wine diamonds. They're tartrates. <laughs> they're sugars. They're a bunch of different things. But it's all essentially sediment is what we say. And um, these are all very clear and clarified. But they're not filtered or fined, which is why they're categorized as a natural wine among other things but um 
the uh, the batonage method is when you stir the settled leaves, that's all of the grape skins and and solids, back into the wine, just like putting sugar in your coffee, they say. Wow. So you wouldn't just let the sugar just sit at the bottom because then, yeah. you know, you'd have either way too much at the end and it wouldn't be equally distributed throughout the, the liquid. So um, I, th- I just thought that was a really nice way of describing it, like putting it sugar in your coffee. That's awesome. Putting... <laughs> shit in your wine. <laughs> Putting wine shit in your wine. <laughs> We're all about that. <laughs> so I actually just finished my liquid diamonds. As did I. Sip, well, no, I didn't. I am now. And I want to try the, the vinature is my fave. So it's exciting to try them side by side. It, they're the exact same grape and the exact same producer method and all. But they're this one. Ooh, she yeah, smells funky. They're a little bit different. It smells like a Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> Yeah, it does have a little bit of that, like... It's a, it's darker, too. Yeah, the, it is. In color, it's more of like a... The first one was kind of like that really light straw hay, and this is more like a... It is more honey. Well, yeah. to be perfectly honest, Sarah's sitting in front of the hashtag Rogue Media sign that is <laughs> very oh. yellow, and every time you hold your glass up, it's like, oh, gosh, that's... Ooh, that's a cool fi- cool fixture fi- photo. <laughs> oh, with the reflection yeah. of that. So, um... I don't have quite as much information on the vinature, but the um, just the producer in general has all of this great kind of quixotic, altruistic approach to like life in general, but winemaking. And he said, wine is not made in the cellar, it's made in the vineyard. Agreed. And I agree with that. There are a lot of people that think that there's more to do in the cellar. Like one person we're going to talk about at a, another time said uh, <laughs> it's like 80-20% for him. So like 80% is in the vineyard, but then 20% for him was in the cellar yeah. because he has a cave in Loire Valley. Well, and I think I always say this. Everything goes back to vineyard management. Like look at your vineyard itself. Like Very even true. at work, like our GM, our you know essentially vineyard manager, he's always sending out you know, tests to labs, like, um, we might have, this might be going on, but I don't know. Let me refer to someone that do, like, there's always work to do in the vineyard. And if you're not managing that and paying attention and like really getting in the nitty gritty and the getting dirty with it. Yeah. There's a lot of things you just might not pick up on. That's definitely going to translate into your final product, right? You can be the most amazing winemaker, but like, if you don't have the grapes to begin with, good luck, homie. Very true. That's very, very true. I mean, we have had such an exceptional experience in our education of being fans of wine first, which I think is always the intro level. Like you yeah. just have to, you have to be interested and curious about it. And then, amazingly, Waco is really becoming this place that's like a wine city. And I might just be biased because I'm inundated fully into it. (laughs) But we have this amazing vineyard that Sarah runs and works at. I have my wine shop that my boss just like bestowed upon the city as a gift (laughs) from on high. And then we have really incredible wine bars and restaurants that carry and care about their wine. Things are popping up left and right. It's really special. It's a really, really cool time to be here. Um, Let's talk about you didn't really describe what these two bottles look like. Oh, wait, you finish, you finish. I was going, to, well, they're the baseball bat style, but we'll post pictures of them because the yeah. labels are gorgeous. They're so pretty. The Vinature has like this cute little like dandelion daisy field mm-hmm. around the border. And I always have been really, uh, really particular about which album we're going to pair this with. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. Yes. But um, the great makeup I wanted to say for the Vinature is very different because the 
the liquid diamonds is specifically a Riesling. Mm-hmm. The vintage is 50% Pinot Gris, 30% Pinot Noir, and 20% Riesling. So it's the one we're drinking? Yeah, this oh, one wow. is a little bit less of a Riesling, but I think that's why I like it more because yeah. I love Pinot Gris is becoming one of my favorite. It's good. Great this one to me, you know, that makes sense because I was just tasting as this being like, what am I tasting? I have a, it tastes very similar to the first one, but like more, I get a lot of like lime rind. Yeah. Not in a bitter way though. No. Like kind of like if you get a, what are those called? The kefir limes. It's like just like a tanginess, like a really nice mellow. Tangy you say. Tangy. You hate that word? No, I love it. <laughs> You're the one who doesn't like words. You're like, eh, let's true. just say something else. <laughs> um, there's so much, though, that they do very specifically. I mean, it's, I said in my notes, three centuries deep. That's crazy. It's, uh, I think the vineyard itself that they, it's maybe not always been in their family, but the vineyard itself that they are operating from was founded in 1711. And then I had to do the math. 274 years later, in 1985, is when Pierre Arnold and Suzanne wow. bought this and started doing their thing out there. And he said um, in an interview that they're borrowing from their ancestors, which I Aww, loved. And it's sweet. very, it reminds me of like Moana, like make way, make, make way. way, make <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. um, there's just, it's such a rich tradition of winemaking out there. It's this, uh, the vintage is specifically centuries old style of Alsatian white wine making and they said they're making it for modern times which (laughs) 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 see she pulled a Sarah she didn't want to use a real word she just made a sound (laughs) (laughs) I've been hanging out with you quite a lot (laughs) this is it's just great isn't it so so yeah these are both so good so bright um so also right now in Texas it's about 106 god yeah average Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think for for the record um so we were talking about what wines do we want to do this week you know la di da di do we've done a few reds that we really loved but uh, personally the both of us don't super want to drink a lot of heavy reds right now so we're a lot more excited to share these lighter wines with you all and hopefully you'll find it in your area as well or you can order them online and yes yeah really have that really bright they're happy wines Rieslings are such happy wines dang it it's like a someone used the term sleek which I really liked that like like it's like kind of like a verb like sleek like but it's also acidic and then there's like a linear acidity to it yeah I agree is when you say like linear around that is just like a tongue feeling yeah that we're describing like washing the wine over your tongue and like I mean, I don't always hold it in my mouth for the designated, like, 30 seconds you're meant to, but I do think that having it in your mouth, there's a, a texture and a feel to it that is important in describing the wine. Speaking of that, I do like the mouth feel for the liquid diamonds more than this. What's the nature. I'm like the one with the flowers on it. <laughs> the flowery one, as my dad would say. <laughs> oh, Stan, cheers. This one has a little bit more of a short finish to me, whereas the, sure. the diamond, like, liquid had <laughs> it had more of like an elegant mouthfeel I feel like like I felt it all the way back instead of just like on the tip of my tongue kind of midway but I really really love both of these wow 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 they're rich and acidic and there's like that lemony what I was ready for you to be like they're rich and we're not <laughs> <laughs> that is true <laughs> 
We make many sacrifices uh, in being in the wine industry, and uh, sometimes money is one of them. It's because we, like, buy a lot of wine. <laughs> Very true. And food. I mean, come on. Right. And so, okay, we have another one from a very different place that we were excited to talk about. um, That's German. And that's like a more traditional when you think of Riesling, you think of Germany. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just this was one of actually, no, this was I'm pretty sure the first Riesling from the wine shop that I ever had. And I fell in love. And it's one of those that you have it, you buy a few bottles, you obsess over it, and then you don't see it again for a very long time. Yeah. And this one, it's the Mosul Riesling by Sybil Kunz. That's exactly right. And I'm obsessed with their labeling, their entire labeling. It's all just a big block of color. Yeah, it's like a Pantone swatch. Yes, it's just a big green square, and it's, I don't know, just the simplicity of it. That scale, right, of all the different ones, that's literally like a color scale that's supposed to signify, like, the ripeness levels. And so we have the green that is considered to be the ripest one. But then there's like a blue, a purple, a brown, and then like a golden brown. one that are meant to be um, like the Botrytis-ridden raisin mm-hmm. grapes. No, Botrytis. And, um, I mean, it actually makes it so much sweeter. It does. But, um, gosh, this one is just, it's green and grassy and st- maybe a little floral from what I remember. But Let's Sarah just it. I haven't had it in ages. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I see that. Here. Did you know that had that? Yeah. I'm looking. We're freaking out. Oh, wait, it disappeared. It was just bubbles. Oh, God. Okay. There were bubbles on the neck of this bottle, <laughs> and I thought there were, like, it was ribbed. Oh. <laughs> like, I thought there were ridges, sure. and I was like, that's strange. Oh, no, there were three. It was great. It was beautiful. Oh, this smells so good to me. So um, mm. a couple things about this one. Uh it's from a place, Mosul, that's considered to be the best place for Riesling in the entire world. And it's named after a river that begins in France and flows into Germany. What? Right? That's cool. Yeah. And I mean, I've always thought that Germany was like more northeastern. So I was, it's kind of interesting thinking about like a river flowing through those crazy ass mountains, the Alps. But um, yeah, that's what it does. And then the vines were planted in 1970, so they are established. They are damn. This is so good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's already. It just smells so different. It's it, it s- smells so different, and it has more of like an apple pear thing going on. Yeah, it's a pivot from those two. Really, it is. and it's also a, quite a bit heavier. I feel like not like heavy, heavy, like Chardonnay heavy, but like it's sharper. It's a lot sharp. God, this wine is so good, guys. <laughs> I hope you find it in your life. <laughs> I literally have had this in my refrigerator for uh, six months waiting to talk about it. I've had it in my fridge for about six days. <laughs> I was like, don't open it. Don't, don't open it. Don't, don't do open it. It. <laughs> it was a big leap of faith for me to like leave it at Sarah's house too, yep. by the way. Yeah. But Good here we you. are. You did it. Good I for did you. <laughs> Man, so this is one. Okay, now I'm going to go off because this is, it's still my favorite. This mouthfeel for me, it's lingering. Like I already swallowed it. I had a few sips. I my mouth is like, uh, 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 uh. Like, like when you, you eat want something more. sour, it's that astringency. Yes. Astringency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's like lingering in a good way, and it's just like, oh god, I like, I need more of that. Oh, it's so good. So there's a German word that I'm going to have to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it. I should have like googled the pronunciation for it, but we're gonna give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> Qualitätswein. Qualitatch? Quali- 
Well, a touch fine. Well, a touch fine. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, with an Italian accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so apparently um, I can, maybe we'll put it, in, we'll add it in the caption. And I would love if any of y'all could tell me how to pronounce that properly. Um, it's the first quality category, though, to be harvested in mid-October, which is later than we would ever do in Texas. Oh, yeah. Um, they take really great care to keep the berries intact. And then um, they put them in really small crates to prevent crushing and damage and ensure that the sugar levels are perfect. But I mean, when we harvest at the vineyard, we use like giant five gallon buckets. I mean, it's just like whatever happens, happens like just get the, get the grapes off the vine into the bucket, into the, you know, the crush thing, the tub, the vat. And it says trocken. And trocken literally just means dry in mm-hmm. German. So if you're looking at it, like we were saying, there's sweet Rieslings and there's dry Rieslings. If you mm-hmm. see trocken on a label, that means it's dry. That's right. Gosh, and this is just so luscious. It's, oh, it's so good. It's six to eight weeks of fermentation in the tank. And then this wine is also kept on lease until filtration in the spring. So it's about six months on wow. lease as opposed to a year and a half like the French ones. And as I feel like the longer, or I don't know, the amount, whatever. When you leave a white wine on lees, it makes it so creamy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So silky, so creamy. Very silky. Mm, so good. And, but then, I mean, it's crazy that you can say something is silky and sharp, but mm-hmm. that's the only way that I can describe it is like it's smooth. Yeah. But it's also got this like very specific, acute lemon thing yeah. happening. So it's classified as a Grand Cru, which is like the highest quality. Yeah, right? Hello. Um, apparently back in the early, early 1800s, Napoleon had this team of terroir experts, which would Napoleon? Be, yeah. I love Carter's research. <laughs> I never know until we start recording like, oh, what did this bitch look up this week? And it makes me so happy. Sometimes I will text <laughs> you with something and you'll be like, uh-huh, okay. And then I'll say it here and you're like, What? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I was just thinking, like, imagine being a terroir expert in 1804 for fucking Napoleon. That's insanity. Also, what year did you say? 1804? Yeah. When what, Mosul, what was this person doing? Did he know what he was doing? Well, I don't think that all of them must have, but, like, the people who were out there, uh, they figured out that Mosul was the perfect region for this specific grape. They're correct. It's and, like, an incredible. Um, God. It was still under French rule at the time, which is why Napoleon factors into this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the estate that was currently, uh, that Sybil <laughs> owns. She's a woman, by the way, in wine. Sybil? Yeah, Mm -hmm. she took over her family estate in the early 80s, and um, it's been acting organic since 1990, um, and then eco-certified since 2013. So it's all, it's a pretty new, like, development. I think she probably just brought it into the natural winemaking herself, because she said she was um, looking around in the area with her family, you know, her parents were winemakers, and she started noticing that other people were doing it better. <laughs> wow. And it was kind of like, okay, mom and dad, like, I know you've <laughs> this done... This is cute, but... <laughs> you've done really well, but I'm we're taking it to the next level now. And um, there's this specific uh, certification called the Demeter um, certification that's the highest level of natural viticulture 
for grapes and vineyards, and they passed that in 2016. God, it's so good. So it took her three years, which is pretty quick to turn the it vineyard. Is. Yeah, yeah. That's yes, that's very quick actually. And I mean, I just love like they they have such a cool marketing strategy with these uh, labels. They're all the Pantene. Uh, Pan- Pantene. <laughs> Pantone. I just say that because they really do look like color swatches. They, yes, absolutely. And they're um, they're six of them that are like laid up in this. Um, you know, this order that mm-hmm. it, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. We've I think I've only ever had the green one. I've only I've only ever seen the green one. I've seen pictures of the blue one out in the wild, but that's because I follow about fifty or to a hundred different yeah. wine What's Instagram. The blue, one? the blue one is the It's Riesling also? No. It's the Devonian slate that's the soil that it's grown in. And it's blue. Oh, cool. Apparently the slate is like a blue color, which is why slate they made blue. It. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I would love to try that one someday. I'd love to try all of them. Let's, do, let's just drink go to all Germany. The, yeah, let's drink all <laughs> the wines. Yeah. I just think it's so cool. And it's so different. And to have all three of them on the same, like, in the same lineup is yeah. really interesting. And it's they're so all special. from my wine shop, which I'm really proud to say. Yeah. And yes, I yes, yes. purchased all of them from the wine shop. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. So we had some really great ideas for food for these because yes. there's so much you can do with Rieslings. So for food, yeah, so much you can do with Riesling. And now that I've tasted all of these side by side, which we hadn't done before because the three bottles that we're talking about today, they're a hot commodity. Mm-hmm. You know, like... They come and go as they yeah, please. Yeah, it's rare that you will... you. Well, at the wine shop, at least, you probably won't find all three at the same time, Mm-mm. possibly ever. Very rare if you do. So like Carter was saying, we've held on, or she held on to a few bottles literally for this day. So the best recipe that I could come up with, with all these really delicious Rieslings, it's a very simple recipe. And now that I've tasted all of them, I feel much more confident in this like yeah. even more so even though it was like oh hell yeah that's the recipe but like it's it's on point so there's a book and i think i've referenced this before called salt fat acid and heat samine oh samine you queen <laughs> she's a genius man her cookbook is so great i've seen her on a few shows like watching her cook she's just such a bright light of energy too like you just want to be her friend right like you want to be in her kitchen cooking with her like just talking pouring her wine as she cooks right yes <laughs> and like literally lapping up every single word that she says yeah so knowledgeable so she has this very simple understated recipe and it's just a buttermilk marinated roast chicken and it is as easy as it sounds folks you need a literally an entire chicken like three and a half to four pound you need salt, and then about two cups of buttermilk. I thought you were about to say you need salt, fat, acid, and heat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, essentially, yeah, everything does. But for this recipe, yeah, you need the chicken, salt, and buttermilk. And you're thinking, okay, like, that's going to be some bland-ass chicky chick. No, no, it is not, ma'am. But sir. how long? Well, thank you. Well, <laughs> So it's a process. It's a process. So the day before you want to cook the chicken, you need to remove the wingtips by cutting through the first wing joint with poultry shears or a really sharp knife. Mm-hmm. And I will say a hack for that. You can use a knife, but I actually purchased Ryan a, um, it's these 
it's a pair of shears. They were actually made for cutting lobster, so it's really tough. They have those curved uh-huh. uh, blades too, don't they? Yes. They're really good for deveining shrimp too. Yes, and shrimp. They work mm-hmm. so well for like whole chickens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're going to remove those, and then you're going to put it aside because you're going to reserve it for stock if you're that person. Like if you're, you know, a minimalist that you like to use every part of an animal when you cook it, reserve it for stock. If you don't want to, throw it in the garbage, whatever. I'm not going to judge you. But beyond that, you're going to season the chicken generously with salt. And I mean, like, generously, generously. If you think, like, that's got to be enough, right? Lots of salt. Yeah. Just, just add a little bit more. Keep salt in it. <laughs> think of, like, the Baltic Sea and, like, just like just keep putting salt in it. Um, and then you're going to let it sit for about 30 minutes. Let it sit, salt it, do its thing, have a glass of Riesling. Then you're going to stir two tablespoons of kosher salt or four tablespoons of fine sea salt into that two cups of buttermilk and let it dissolve. So once you think you salted the chicken enough, you guess add what? some more. You're going to add more salt. <laughs> add salt to the actual buttermilk, stir it, let it sit for a minute to let it fully dissolve, especially if you just got that buttermilk out of the fridge. It's going to be really cold. So yeah, stir it, let it sit for a minute. And then place the chicken in a gallon size resealable bag, bigger than a gallon size if your chicken is large. Right now, the one I have in my fridge is gigantic. <laughs> and I went to marinate it today and I was like, nope, don't have a bag big enough for that. <laughs> um, pour in the buttermilk. If the chicken won't fit into a gallon size bag, you can double up two plastic produce bags to prevent leakage. Leakage. <laughs> leakage. <laughs> leakage. <Hashtag> new word. <laughs> Let it and tie the bag with a piece of twine. We've also done that because, I don't know, some chickens are just giant, man. Could you not put it in like a giant bowl and cover that with saran wrap? So you could, but you really want the entire chicken to be submerged in the liquid. So like I have done that before, marinating chicken for Ryan. Sometimes Ryan will text me at like 8 a.m. and he's like, Hey, babe, will you marinate that chicken? And I'm like, uh, no, we don't have a bag big enough. And he's like, well, uh, okay. So <laughs> Excellent Ryan impression. I'll, it's not. He doesn't sound like that at all. Um, <laughs> it's just my dude impression, right? Yeah. So what I've done in the past, if you just don't have any of like the plastic things, which good on you if you don't have any plastic in your home, you're amazing. Cheers, brother. You're better than me. Yep, same. Um, if you want to put it in a big bowl, what I would do is the amount of time that you're going to marinate it, I would just flip it. Like I would do the, the, I would put the chicken say for four hours, let it marinate and then flip it. So every part of the chicken's getting the same amount of time in the liquid. Mm-hmm. And it turned out pretty much exactly the same. It was just a little more work on your part to remember when did I do that? And then flip it. Right. So after you have it marinated, pull the chicken from the fridge an hour before you plan to cook it. And I will be honest here. We usually marinate it overnight. Mm-hmm. The longer the better. The longer the better. And I've talked about this with our fried chicken recipe, probably any other recipe we've done that has had to do with chicken, um, the power of marinating it or just letting meat tenderize. Tenderize, yes, just with salt alone. It imparts such – it's a tenderizer. Salt is literally a meat tenderizer, and I think people forget that a lot. Doesn't it make it so much juicier too? So juicy. I mean there's – So, so juicy. No – no comparison to any chicken I've ever had in my life Aww. than the chicken that was made for you for your 31st birthday. Oh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. So, so good. We need a repeat. Let's do it. <laughs> what are you doing later? Eating chicken. <laughs> and drinking Riesling. Drinking Riesling because yes. we're not going to finish these three bottles anytime soon in the next 10 minutes. I mean, for your sake, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you're going to pull the chicken from the fridge about an hour before you plan to cook it, and that means you just want to get it to 
room temperature. Um, yeah, 24-hour mar- marinade. If you can turn the bag every so often so the entire chicken gets marinated, please do that. But also in the book it says it's not essential. I think it's more on the essential part, but, like, if you have a crazy life and if you have things happening, it's fine. So pull it out an hour before you plan to cook it. You just want to get it more to room temperature and not super cold. Preheat your oven to 425 with the rack set in the center position. Chickens are big, right? Then you're going to remove the chicken from the plastic bag. Scrape off as much of the buttermilk as you can without being obsessive about it. (laughs) Literally. And then you're going to tie together the legs of the chicken with a piece of butcher's twine. Butcher's twine I found is actually really easy to find at the grocery store oh, yeah, if it's you're like, looking for it. It's like 50 cents. Yeah, too. it's one of those things you're like, oh my God, where am I going to get that? And they're like, oh, everyone has that. Yeah, yeah, and it's very, very inexpensive. And to be, I mean, perfectly honest, you only need it a couple times a year. Yeah. And if you just have like mm-hmm. that ball of twine in your you know, utensil drawer, you'll use it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're going to place your chicken in either a big cast iron skillet or just a shallow roasting pan. And most of the time, I think we do the roasting pan Probably because I don't have a cast iron that big. I don't know, man. I think Texas chickens are big. (laughs) You know what they say, Sarah. Everything's bigger here. It's true. But, like, man, I'm thinking, like, all of our cast irons. Yeah, I couldn't fit a chicken in that. That's crazy. Anywho, you're going to slide the pan all the way to the back of the oven on the center rack. Rotate the pan so that the legs are pointing towards the rear left corner and the breast is pointing towards the center of the oven. Does that make a difference in cooking? And, like, heat distribution? I believe so. It says, this orientation protects the breast from overcooking before the legs are done. Oh, that's smart. God, Samin's a genius. She really, like, no one thinks that much, like, thinks it through, but it makes a difference. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, if you put just put it in there all willy-nilly, it's going to come out. (laughs) willy-nilly. Do you remember that chicken that we made on Lucas's birthday that had the stinky leg? Because it came out, and you were like, Ryan, your chicken has a stanky leg. The twine came unraveled, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And it just flopped out. Like when you like put one of your legs out from under the duvet. I forgot when about you were sleeping, That chicken was like, I'm done. <laughs> Which is how my kid sleeps, too. He can't have his legs or feet covered. So it was for him. <laughs> Happy birthday, Lucas. <laughs> All right. So after about 20 minutes, when the chicken starts to brown, you're going to reduce the heat to 400, and then you're going to continue roasting for 10 minutes and move the pan so the legs are facing the back right corner of the oven. It's all about that weird equal heat distribution, yeah. which Carter's been to my house over hundreds of times, and every time Ryan cooks poultry or, I don't know, man, any meat. I'm not a meat cooker. I'm a meat eater. Yep. I'm a side gal. Ryan always has these timers on his phone. We're just like, what could that possibly be for? He's like, got to rotate the chicken. And we're like, for what? And he's just like, <laughs> he knows now just like, just don't. Because yeah. <laughs> we're already hungry and we're like, what are you talking about? But it is very important if you want it cooked fully, thoroughly, and equally. After about 20 minutes, when the chicken starts to brown, you're reducing it to 40, 40 degrees, 400 degrees, roasting it for 10 minutes. You're going to cook it another 30 minutes or so until the chicken is brown all over And the juices run clear when you insert a knife down to the bone between the leg and the thigh. So for me, I'm the kind of person, because I don't cook meat super often, I always have a meat thermometer nearby. And feel free to use that. That's what I would. Um, Or you could do her method where put it in, let the juices run clear, 
And then when the chicken's done, remove it to a platter, let it rest for 10 minutes, carve it, and serve it. She also has a little excerpt at the very bottom saying, if you cannot find buttermilk, just use plain yogurt. And I've never used yogurt before. That'd be interesting. I would love to try that. Mm-hmm. And maybe we could do two chickens Ooh. and do a chicken. Sad, sad, <laughs> But I know the buttermilk one is dope. And it also gives it a really beautiful skin. Ryan actually called me out mm-hmm. on this the first few times he made it. I don't know. I have this. I, I eat meat. I'm just like very particular. And he caught me eating the chicken skin off of this. And he was like, are you eating the chicken skin? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you've never eaten chicken skin from like anything. Because this recipe is so good. It's like perfectly crispy. And you know how sometimes you make a roasted chicken and there's like a beautiful crispy skin. Then like this gross gelatinous layer underneath. And then the chicken. Yeah. This doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like rotating the chicken or the buttermilk. And those salt enzymes doing its thing, but probably some combination of all of that. Probably so, but mm-hmm. it's delish, and I highly recommend. And you know what you should do when you drink this riesling and make this chicken? Listen to this album. Oh, vinyl. go off! Well, I mean, this was your idea. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's my album, but it was it was Sarah's it's her idea. Album. So the album we chose for. Riesling and buttermilk roasted chicken is James Taylor greatest hits. For the love of God. For the love of God. I am so jealous because I've always wanted to see James Taylor. Like before I die, before he dies, I would love to see James Taylor. And Carter has seen him. I have. I'm so lucky that my dad is. His one treat that he gives himself uh, is concerts. Yeah. Yeah, that was cute. Our whole life, my whole life growing up, I got to see the craziest shit. I mean, I've seen the the Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney three times. Wow, does James Taylor, Elton <sighs> John at his residency in Las Vegas, and then randomly played a show in Savannah, Georgia, when I was in college out That's there. Cool. Right, <laughs> and I went with my friend Dave. Long story. Um, James Taylor, we went with their best friends, Grant and Karen Goss, who I have grown up knowing as like my aunt and uncle. I call them Uncle Grant and KK. And it was for her birthday in Austin. We went and had dinner at Perry's Mm. and walked over to Frank Irwin. (laughs) And like all the cab, it was like Silver Oak, like the sommelier like flew up on the... uh, in the wine cellar on a wire and like came back down. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that's like a thing. Uh, they have like a two-story, no, three-story wine cellar that's behind glass. He flew up? And he put himself on a wire and like went up to get the wine and came back down. He flew up. It was like Peter Pan. Okay, I've never witnessed this. We have to go now. Yeah, it, it was awesome. What? Yeah. Sorry, my mind is blown. Back to James Taylor. So that was the day that we saw that. I had like the best dinner. We, were, we had excellent seats. And um, I just remember... I have this video actually on my Twitter that's like the pinned <laughs> tweet at the very top <laughs> of my Twitter that's my dad singing along to Fire and Rain. Oh, and that's one of my father's all-time favorite songs. It's a dad song. It is. <laughs> we used to, you know, all families go on road trips and shit when you're young, mm-hmm. even if it's not that far. And I remember he always had me or my brother make him like a mix CD, right, when that was yeah. a thing. Or maybe a mixtape. 
and <laughs> Fire and Rain had to be on there. And like, I get it. It's a beautiful song. And I know all the words to it by choice. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. Well, and I mean, you know a little bit about his life, right? Like he's just overcome such adversities mm-hmm. and like addiction and like the fame and like the industry and all. And I like to think that as like a North Carolina boy like he grew up with this really simple humble beginning and he's been able to to call on that I mean I think his um his his whole childhood and and uh it's just his inspiration for everything I mean all of these songs on this album it was 1976 when it came out and this is like my father's original copy of it that I have up at the wine shop And it ha- it's really simple. It's just a white album cover with James yeah. Taylor, big red line under it, and then all of the songs, like the track list on the front cover. Yeah. And, I mean, he doesn't need to do anything else because <laughs> no, it's perfection. It's, uh, Something in the Way She Moves, mm-hmm. Carolina in My Mind, Fire and Rain. Sweet Baby James, <sighs> Country Road. You've Got a Friend. God, when he made that with uh, Carol King. Carol King. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, your ears are ready for that if you haven't heard it. Country Road, you've got a friend. Don't Let Me Be Lonely Tonight, Walking Man. How, How sweet, sweet it, is. it is. The sweetest love song <sighs> maybe ever. Mexico. Ooh, Mexico. Shower the people you love with Lou. <laughs> and Steamroller. <laughs> and Steamroller. <laughs> Such a solid album. It's so good. What made you think of this album in confluence with these wines? So to me, Riesling, I keep saying happy. I should think of a different word, a I different think synonym. That, that but works. It's light. It can be floral. The The main photo I want to take is actually the Pierre Arnold with the, the daisy floral pattern. Mm-hmm. I think that while any of these, while drinking a glass of Riesling, listening to James Taylor, if you put that vinyl on, to me, James Taylor, even though he's just like a mellow dude, like in his songs, like I always just want to dance to it. Yeah. Like a slow, like happy sway, like springtime. You just watered all of your plants. You're like, I don't know, man, you're in your kitchen cutting up like this really fresh salad or something or like making some delicious chicken, some buttermilk chicken it's for your summery. fam. It's light. It's, it's summery. Yeah, it's light. It's just... He always makes me feel good. And maybe it's a nostalgia thing, like we were saying, because of our dads, literally, which is so funny, that always listen to it. It just... We both love our dads. We do. So much. And I remember my favorite times growing up, you know, we went on tons of vacations, did tons of stuff and all that, yada, yada, yada. My favorite time was every day at like sunset around five or six when my dad would get home from work just because he would come home. Like he was my best friend growing up. He was there and he would come home from work and... Fire and Rain would be playing or some James Taylor song in the background in my mind, literally. And I was like, oh, life is good. I'm 12. You know, (laughs) (laughs) the things you hold on to. But and all those road trips with James Taylor, just, yeah, it's a it's a light, happy, fresh. Just great combo. I did want to say, too, when you said like it reminds you of just like dancing, you just want to dance to it. We were at that show specifically. Grant and Karen got up. And we, because we were on the floor, like down real close to the stage, and they just started dancing in Aww. the middle of, and I forget which song it was, but they did it a couple of times. And I was like, Dad, do you want to dance? And he was like, No, I'm watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, James Taylor. You wow. Gotta love it. What a great, like, 
this is one of my favorite pairings, I think, that we've done overall. Because, I mean, just nothing better than, like, a simple chicken, roasted mm-hmm. buttermilk chicken. These three wines are so gorgeous. I'm grateful we've gotten to have all of them at once because it really is an experience. And for these wines, too, you know, with the chicken, coming back to that, whether you're in Germany or rather you're in France, where both of these wines are from, you can find chicken and yeah. salt <laughs> yeah. and either yogurt or buttermilk. So, like, worldwide. Make it work. <laughs> Make it work. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to our episode today. And as always, put on your favorite record. Grab your favorite glass of wine. Let's have some fun. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to some of our thoughts. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.